0: Welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely co-host, Kennedy. Hi. <laughs> Hi. What's up? That Hello. Be, that has to be your most normal intro yet, brother. Um, yeah, no. I'm
1: not feeling creative. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that that seems to that seems to be the opposite of where your current mental state is. So I find that very <laughs> weird. <laughs> and with me today is the legendary Hussein Kesvani from the podcast Trash Future and Woo! famous journalist as well. How are you doing today, Hussein?
2: Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I I've never been called the famous. I've never been called famous before, so that's fun. I almost, I'm often like forgotten as a member of Trash Future um, because I don't really go on like as many podcasts as like my co hosts do. So, like, sometimes people are surprised when they, like, realize that I'm kind of um, one of, like, the main, like, co-hosts. So I'm very thankful for that intro. I'm also very thankful that I get to spend, it's, like, 9.40 p.m. in the U.K., and there is nothing more I've wanted to do than, like, to talk about Power Rangers with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, your takes are good. You may not always be on the show, but your takes are good, which is part of what landed you here. You know, I we have like a host. The, we the have a host like thing. that.
0: None of our co-hosts has missed so far. Disclaimer in case one of them gets uh, cancelled in the future. <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> Hussein, what is your experience with the Power Rangers?
2: Oh my god, we could go on for ages. So, okay, Power Rangers is yeah. really like the only thing I watched when I was a kid. So in the UK, I can't remember what channel it was, but like in early morning TV, when I was maybe like, seven eight nine round about that age they would have um i remember like i would wake up at 7 a.m and this channel would have they had like common rider they had what ultraman there was like it di- was like a different name for it but it was ultraman and then they had two episodes of like mighty Morphin power rangers it went on to power rangers turbo Zio, well Zio turbo etc i was obsessed with power rangers i had like a bunch of toys the only one I never got out of like the original Mighty Morphin series was uh, the Green Ranger. And like, I still am looking for an original Green Ranger with like the gold shield. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I'm like a huge fan. And like recently, I like when the lockdown first started, I kind of binge watched a lot of Power Rangers. So I got through every like, I basically got up to the end of uh, In Space. And then I watched some of the uh, like the later series. I watched some Dino Thunder. I watched some Wild Force. I watched uh, what was it, the Megaforce one and Super Megaforce, which was not like I was surprised about actually like how that wasn't too bad. Like considering the
0: fan base yeah. hates Megaforce and Super Megaforce.
2: Is it is it just because it's cheesy or is it like like it's what, probably because it's too it...
0: cheesy. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I like Dino Charge is I, I've only out of the latest ones. I've only ever watched like the first I, I would I've watched quite a bit of Dino Charge and I love okay. that one.
2: Okay, in, but I'm like, like
0: that—that's yeah. kind of like when I realized I had to make this podcast. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that the new ones aren't as bad as people make them out to be. Um, yeah, I especially since I, I've like watched like trash reboots of stuff. Like, uh, remember the show reboot, the '90s CGI show?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Netflix I,
0: gave it. Uh, Netflix gave it a reboot, and it is horrific. No. My son put it on and could not stop watching it. And I I had, there was like multiple moments where I just got out of my seat and I was just like, I can't, I gotta go do other things right now.
2: I remember, so I have family in Canada and whenever I used to go, like CTV, I think showed Reboot. So me and my uncle used to watch Reboot and like, I thought it was super cool at the time. And I was like watching some YouTube clips again, like during the lockdown period. And like, you know, sort of realize how kind of creepy, but very funny a lot of the figures (laughs) are. Like so many of them have like really thick butts um it's great like it's just so much fun johnny quest is like another one of those which you think is really cool when you're a kid and like you look at it now and you're kind of like the animation hmm. is just so funny that you just don't take any of it seriously that's um, really old
0: school because i remember there being a little bit of a like a mystery behind johnny test because they thought it would be like in relation to johnny quest
2: right i didn't know that yeah there's like a whole big hubbub
0: <laughs> and like they actually yeah. do allude to it in one of the seasons of johnny test there's like a there's like an episode in there where they actually get the Johnny Quest character in there.
2: Yeah, interesting. i like when we, when this is over, I'm probably going to go into like a like go into the rabbit hole to find that like all that out as well. <laughs> um, I do want to say like one other thing about my experience with Power Rangers, which was also like when I started like when I got back into like watching Power Rangers again, I kind of like found out that there's like among kind of like older fan bases. I think I think I discovered this initially when do you know when that um. When that like fan movie of power rangers came out by what's his name the one who like did all the uh is it like
0: power slash rangers and it's like 17 minutes long
2: yeah and it's like a kind of like a very gritty like it was kind of dubbed as the gritty reboot and it had some like quite interesting elements to it and like Mm. um the guy who plays adjacent lee frank like he disavowed it he was like oh this is too violent power rangers
0: would never do this i agree with him actually Like I remember watching it and then going, Oh, this is really cool. What do you mean it's too gritty it's too edgy or whatever? And then yeah. uh I revisited it while I was revisiting Mighty Morphin Power Rangers one and I actually agree with it, what's his name? Jason?
2: Jason Jason Lee Jason Lee Frank, who plays Tommy Oliver. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. I actually agree with Jason about it. It is it is way too edgy. Yeah. And way too gritty. Yeah. it is not but I think, it is not within I, the, yeah. the level of so it. Think, but it did renew interest in me as an adult to revisit it though i guess that's worth something
2: i think that it renewed interest for me as well and i think that when i watched it the first time i was like oh this is like so fucking sick and like not even that but also like there were some really interesting concepts in there which was like oh yeah these were like teenagers that were sent to fight like an intergalactic battle and no one kind of questioned it (laughs) like you know no, no one kind of thought like oh this is this is this is a bit sus But I thought like when I when I was watching again, I was kind of like, oh, this is like a trend that lots of kind of superhero franchises are like going towards where they're trying to kind of like make you think about, you know, superheroes as if they were like situated in the real world and kind of like had these kind of like real world problems, which I don't know, it feels sort of glib now. I kind of want, you know, so when I was like rewatching the Power Rangers, like the thing that I really liked was just how kind of zany and insane it was you know, and how it was kind of like just a pure form of kind of escapism in a way that even like when I watch, there's lots, there's lots of kind of actually very well-made fan reboots and versions of Power Rangers. And especially when like the Lord Drykon stuff, like the Lord Drykon arc in the like the comic books came out, you know, who like, they're trying to kind of situate the Power Rangers within like real world context and dealing with real world problems. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like it doesn't, I feel like it's a bit glib now, so you're just uh, you're just giving uh, you. you're just
0: giving away our Patreon plan.
2: I <laughs> 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 anyway, Yeah. Look, my like Power Rangers is great. Um, I really like revisiting it, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you guys.
0: So when you were when you oh, were in please. the lockdown, right? Uh, picture you back in like I guess April it was. Um. Yeah. And you were revisiting Power Rangers. What were your expectations going into season three?
2: Um, in this opening arc. So I, I'm not sure. So when I first started watching it again, my main thing was like, I found this clip on YouTube of uh, like just the Green Ranger um, and the <laughs> Green Ranger arc. And I remember like how sick the Green Ranger arc was. And that's how I sort of got in because it was, initially it was just like, oh, this is like such an interesting episode, an interesting arc. And then so I might as well start again. Um, I think with like, I, I can't really remember what it was like. I just remembered like how cool the ninja toys were. And I was actually wondering, like, you know, where do, like, I vaguely remember the ninjas, where do they come in? I vaguely remember, like, the alien rangers, where do they come in? So that's kind of, like, I was sort of anticipating these things that I sort of remembered vaguely existing, but I wasn't quite sure whether they existed in, like, Mighty Morphin or whether they were in Zeo, and I just didn't remember. Do you know what I mean? So um a lot of, like, it was more like stuff coming back to me rather than kind of, like, an expectation of, like, a particular storyline and stuff.
0: So... I guess, like, my childhood memory... I have zero childhood memories of Season 3, so a lot of this is fresh. I do remember having some of the, you know, head toys where, you know, you press... You, like, flip around the head, and the, the ranger's, like... It goes into the ranger head. But for the most part, I don't have any memories of Season 3, so going into this, all I had was our Season 2 experience, and Kennedy and I both Ooh. agreed in the previous episode that we... <laughs> Absolutely hated watching that season. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's just too much of a roller coaster of quality where you'll get to like episodes that are like four out of 10s or something like that, into like an episode that's suddenly a nine, into like an episode that's a two (laughs) or zero. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, unfortunately, you know, going into this, we were a little bit deflated and we were wondering, like, wow, is this actually going to become work? And yeah, so our expectations were kind of like, this this better be good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Kennedy, what were your thoughts originally? I know I kind of spoke for both of us, but I want—did you defer on any of that? I mean, you spoke pretty accurately.
1: Like, I was—I I, I kind of knew that it was going to get better, so I wasn't like completely doomer about it. But I was like, oh god, this really better pay off in some fashion. I don't know. I was kind of hoping for something that felt a little more coherent and co- consistent, and that's where I was at when I was like walking, walking into Ninja Quest.
0: Yeah, <clears> man. <throat> so, Kennedy, where does Ninja Quest start?
1: So, essentially, Ninja Quest begins with uh, Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa celebrating their wedding anniversary, <laughs> 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 which is. Satisfying. Really funny to say, yes. <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing I love about the Power Rangers. Anyway, um, so oh, no, Lord I agree.
0: Zed... Zed and Zed and Rita <laughs> were the best parts about last season, and Bulk and Skull, oh, oddly enough.
1: Yeah, that was a lot. We agreed that like a lot of the best stuff was happening kind of in the weird mm-hmm. uh, subplots and B plots and C plots of season two. Um, but yeah, so so Zed and Rita Repulsa are having their anniversary. Rita Revolto shows up. Who is uh, Rita's brother? And he's bizarre. First, I have to say, like, what an incredible character! He's like this half camouflage skeleton monster, and he yeah. is like this sort of like weird, dumb, hick American stereotype of some kind, but like in a very <laughs> non-specific way. He's that fail um, son uncle, <laughs> the
0: fail uncle.
1: Yeah, he's like a Duck Dynasty nephew or something. <laughs> like. <laughs> and he's brought these uh monster eggs and as like a as like a anniversary present. And rito annoys the shit out of Zed. He calls him Ed, but Rita's excited about the seeing what's in these eggs. Rita won't tell her right away. But uh they come up with this plan in the meantime to like Use a bunch of Finster's monsters, like upgraded versions of old monsters, and uh, Rito to like set a trap for the Power Rangers. This Um, is like the
0: first time that Zed had a like overarching plot outside of like, I'm gonna send this monster and then make it big, and then like maybe do in terms of like just battle planning, like multi arc battle planning. This is like Zed's time to shine.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is like really competent in terms of like a lot of season two, his plots felt weak. They felt like weaker than Rita's season one plots even, uh, which so it felt like kind of bad. But this plot feels solid. This is like a this is a really good season opening. Like, hey, we've already set that the stakes are pretty high here in terms of like Rita and Zed have a plan to mess with the Rangers and they also have monsters waiting in the wings in the form of these eggs that haven't hatched. Um, so it's, like, it's, it's already pretty exciting, I think, and like, really setting like a good tone. Um, in the meantime, the Rangers are winning a volleyball tournament, um, which is sort of typical Power Rangers stuff. I will say this is better than, still than a lot of the like, season two stuff. Like Having them race ATVs doesn't make them seem like cool and athletic which is like sort of the Ranger vibe, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Power Rangers kicked off that Tiger Shulman's craze, you know, here in the States. So it's like having them not do something, an athletic activity as like their side gig just seems out of place.
1: A lot of the elements, what I'm getting at is that a lot of the elements were already feeling more correct (laughs) here at the start of season three. They win the volleyball tournament. Rito and the other monsters head down to Earth. Zordon detects them power rangers basically prepare to do battle from there things start to go kind of wrong like this trap is very effective rita and zed use their magic together the zords get more or less destroyed
0: what sucks about this is that this was kind of pog and the reason why i'm saying it's only kind of is because this is actually like one of the first times we see that bushido zord fight like we right, like actually two fight two it's standing and then it doing like a green screen sword slash across the enemy and the enemy just tumbling over so like this time it actually gets the fight and it's actually pretty good and then they g- it gets destroyed Agreed. so i'm like oh okay there goes that then so
1: mm-hmm. basically part 1 ends with the zords getting destroyed like alpha does whatever he can but it's not enough they decide to take the risk they have to try to fight in spite of the the risk and the, the zords are destroyed so that's where part 1 ends
0: Funnily mm. enough, they have this segment where uh, I guess they had to stretch it out as long as possible, but everybody looks at the camera screen and essentially gives like their reaction to the swords, ge- the swords getting destroyed. Yeah. And uh, Kimberly is like, <laughs> and then the episode yeah. sort of ends there. And a cool thing about these episodes is they now made the credit screen relevant by either putting like some behind the scenes elements or like a continuation of the plot from a different viewpoint and i love it i love this change
2: i didn't even notice that because like the bootleg i got didn't have any credit scenes the thing that i was going to comment on about like the the ending of the of um, episode one was really just like the the stoic tommy oliver and just kind of like i I know that he's supposed to kind of the way that he's presented is supposed to be as this like very calm and like collected leader but it just seemed like he was sort of apathetic, so the whole thing just kind of like, yeah, uh, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fine, I guess. No <laughs> has a plan, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Like they, they're kind of like, even when the ninja, like when the ninja plan like begins, it's just kind of like, yeah, this, 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 this should be, this should be fine. Um, I know that like it's a kid show. I'm not expecting there to kind of be, because on the one hand, I sort of agree that yeah, like you know, the stakes are kind of really high in this. The other, on the other hand, it's kind of like the format is still the same what made these ones so powerful that like they didn't just kind of destroy the creatures but also like i presumably like they destroyed the power coins right Or like at least they kind of made the power coins redundant
0: tommy's personality goes through a change when he gets the white power coins and uh he's a little bit more of an asshole at times and you kind of see it in this part too So, in this episode, they go to Zordon and Alpha-5 back at the command center asking for a solution. They give them this hidden map to go to this place called the Desert of Despair. This person that they are looking for is called Ninjor, and he was the creator of the original Power Coins. This is already an amazing lore moment. And we have been kind of
1: wondering up till now a lot when we've been making this show, where did these things come from? What was going on?
2: Yeah. we just like, well, how does like the power, like I didn't actually realize because I was a child, but like I didn't realize <laughs> about, like, what the power grid was or anything. So like actually going back to this stuff and sort of learning the lore and like, I feel like that's also where like lots of the older fans kind of, that's where it kind of comes in for like, like you know, for older fans, which is that, uh, oh, you know. You can actually. There's actually like a lot of very interesting backdrop and interesting like background right. uh to this series that like makes it actually quite smart for a kids right. show. I, I will. F- you want to say, but like Ninja has like the funniest voice. At least like the Ninja. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't recall that when I was a kid. So when I heard when I when I saw it when I saw Ninja like before I heard him speak anything, I was assuming that he'd have like. Quite like a deep voice or something like that or at least it's something that was i I didn't expect him to sound like i don't know like a singing italian like waiter (laughs) (laughs) that's an incredible description it's pretty on point
1: yeah ninja is is something else that actually in a way it kind of felt like something that would have made more sense in like the original sentai series but like made less sense in american culture right like a lot of times it's like there's these concessions that you see as like things have been converted over that it's like they've made things more american i don't yep. know what that was i don't know who <laughs> that was meant to appeal to exactly i get that it's a kid's show and you're trying to maybe introduce like a, a tiny bit of levity and humor to like the an overall kind of relatively serious like four-part arc of plots but like I don't, it was very bizarro <laughs>
0: i agree and another aspect of this episode is the balkan skull
2: plot and yeah they become cops yeah
0: (laughs) so immediately when i saw this uh i was just like first of all acab includes balkan skull as well yeah but the reason why they become cops isn't because they care about their community and they want to protect them it's because they want the girls to love them which i mean who's amongst
2: us dudes, dudes <laughs> like yeah i i i I, did, I found that i found that very funny but also just like the most lo- yeah the most logical thing you know and also just like the most kind of realistic thing lots of guys become cops because because you know they can score checks right
0: yeah not, not to it. mention the power in society the differences in that right
2: yeah, I mean, what? you know, that that, that that's <laughs> look, look, that's for like a political show, right? This is like just a dude hanging out show, and we can appreciate a dude that like makes career choices purely based on like what their teenage hormones are sort of, and then and even and Balkan Skull are like teenagers or at least kind of older teenagers in this show, right? Yeah, right.
0: I mean, why do guys okay. join leftist politics, right? It's the same thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> to wear to wear a cool uniform, you know, you get that that vintage USSR. <laughs> uniform and
2: <laughs> the chicks flock in the, funny, um, the, the funniest thing that i found with that though was that because it was like related to the power rangers i.e., like uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong but the assumption is that well, because the power rangers have like uniforms that the ladies find sexy they also want uniforms despite the fact that like the uniforms are made of different material and like yeah. the uniforms that the power rangers have are like designed to make them look like ancient aliens
1: no, but actually one, there's like a, there's like a young woman who like walks past Vulcan skull and is like, I like a man in any uniform or something like that. It's very, it's very contrived the
0: entire, <laughs> there's I will like say a this is the stuff. weakest part. This is the weakest part about a ninja quest and or unfor- er, and unfortunately it takes up like 30% of the screen time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is mildly amusing. It's not the
0: worst. It's not like the ninja encounter in season two, right? Yeah, but it's not it still doesn't add anything and actually juxtaposed against what's actually happening in the world makes it quite a bit funnier if it wasn't so much of a waste of time, (laughs) Uh, because it's completely unrelated to the main plot. Like this is entirely separate plots that are going on that are not correlated whatsoever, which makes it really. weak. And so Um, basically, like the police, uh, they go to a junior police academy all of the junior policemen, all they do is just run all day and they go hup, hup, yeah. hup, 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 hup for yep. like eight hours a day and then clock out. And it seems yeah. like the police officers that are certified, that are policemen, are kind of just like the military sergeants, like wannabe military sergeants. Angel Grove is getting destroyed by like Rito Rivalto and a couple of these monsters that did the ambush. But here these police officers are like, ah, the Power Angels will take care of it. And so they just mm. do nothing. And it just goes to show how obsolete they are. Yeah. And they should have, be abolished.
1: I have a lot to say about the cop sub arc. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. First of all, yeah. Like we've addressed this several times. We didn't think there were police in Angel Grove up till now because we've never seen them, even at times when you would really, really, really expect to if police exist. So like the fact and again, like even right now, as you just pointed out, like during this very plot, there are monsters terrorizing Angel Grove and the cops are just like running around. Up, 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 up. Like that's all they do. They just they don't do anything. Compared to Bulk and Skull's this is like a this is this is one of the few things that's a step down from season two, because Bulk and Skull's season two subplot was actually good. So compared to that, this is actually a step down, which is very unfortunate. So the whole cop thing is very mystifying as
0: as the season goes on. But yes, in this in this arc, it's it's pretty bad.
1: It does get a little better, but yeah, it sucks right now. Um, it's very mystifying. Again, where where are the cops when the monsters are fucking shit up? We have no idea. They just hang out. I I also have to point out that like this really solidifies the bulk is a is a rich fail son theory because like he's like drinking and like sitting in a lawn chair and like vibing while he's supposed to be doing stuff and like he just gets like a <laughs> like a mild admonishment like he's clearly the, the a rich fail son we we've established this before but like my god it's never been more obvious i think and then the last thing i'll say is there's an incredible moment during one of the training scenes i think it's in part three maybe where there have to be clear there have been uh women in the police academy occasionally but in this particular scene this like Task sergeant type character, whatever, is like staring at a group of clearly all young men, and he's like, "Guys and girls," and I was like, "That's neoliberalism right there."
0: <laughs> You're <not>
1: wrong.
0: <laughs> I think there, I thought there was one girl in there, though.
1: Not in that particular scene. There, there are there are a few. There's uh,
0: like a like- couple that graduate, and then there's a couple that do the "hup hup hup" running. But, yeah. yeah, you're right. Every every guy in that class that he's addressing, is, it's all guys. It's all. It's all <laughs> dudes rock. This arc is very interesting because normally we say that Bulk and Skull moments don't matter, but it does as the season goes on. It's just not a good introduction to this plot line. As time goes on, Bulk and Skull really do play up that whole the police are incompetent narrative. I just imagine that the police would have a more search and rescue type role, you know? Picture Bulk and Skull in their twenties helping people evacuate in the area while the Zords are fighting and stuff. That'd be great. Yeah. I don't
1: think we get that, but I would love
2: to
0: see that. We can't
2: (laughs) do that because so many of like those scenes like the fighting scenes are kind of like taken from the Japanese like Sentai version, right? So
0: I think they filmed quite a bit of footage here in the States. You can tell by the quality of the footage and that they're not green screened in. They do make that production change where Goldar is actually here or Rito Rivalto is actually here. Skipping back over to the Rangers, they're now infiltrating the Desert of Despair, trying to find the entrance. I don't think that they were clear that this was a new area or a different world or something not clear at all yeah but it just looks like they just walked outside of the command center and did like an x marks the spot-esque treasure hunt for like fourth graders or something
1: yeah it's it's very weird desert of despair thing it's like is this just by the command center? it feels like this is just by the command center (laughs) they could
0: have put a filter they could have said it was on a different planet and put a filter and i think i would have appreciated that more
1: right zordon is like the desert of despair is very dangerous the main danger seems to be that he didn't send them there with water like come on dude (laughs) um (laughs) aisha also gets trapped in quicksand but there's a couple things that happen but it's not that like there's a couple of like small traps within the desert but basically it's not that exciting but then they do run into the newly hatched tango warriors this is one of the things that rito brought with him within the eggs uh is uh, these tango warriors and these are like the new these are the new like basic baddie
2: yeah but like their power level is higher oh yeah they're more advanced pussies right
1: first of all they're implied to be stronger and things like that um but they also seem to exhibit more intelligence like Mm. just straight up and they they can also fly
0: they have an iq under 10 though according to the lyrics
1: yeah, well, the putties have an IQ under five. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're not I always, wrong. yeah, I when I when I was like rewatching the Power Rangers, I like, was always this sort of thinking to myself that like I'm not entirely sure like the putties were supposed to fight, rather than they were just supposed to kind of like surround. Because if you look at like if you look at the early kind of putty fights, I don't think any of them actually like throw a punch or a kick or anything. They just sort of like they grab them and around. throw
0: you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, but like, and then they kind of just like, so they're there sort of just to kind of like get distract, like to distract the rangers rather than to actually like fight or like to kind of physically like destroy them. At times
0: upgraded putties seem to be more combative, but yeah. also had like a distinct weak point of it. Just you just touch the center chest piece and they die. Yeah
1: they were smarter too at times the season one putties definitely felt like some type of automaton that was just like it wasn't even necessarily aware of what was happening around it it was just yeah, programmed just say, to like attack anything and everything or whatever they would just say,
2: they would just say little babies they were just like <laughs> they, they were just like giant babies <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i i gotta say though that that theme song for the tangas they're pretty cool
1: mm. not bad not bad yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's one thing that we didn't mention before when we did our season review for season two, but they really did step up the soundtrack, even though the actual plot points sucked. And then they just added on in season three and it still sounds great. I love it. Every time, every time these songs come on as repetitive as they get, I'm, I'm having a good time.
1: Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. I like that there's a lot of like specific themes for different monsters and places and people. Like it's like there's a lot of detail to that stuff uh by this point. And yeah, the Tangas get a nice a nice theme all to themselves. Um and so yeah, they've kind of stepped up the power level with these Tangas. They they definitely feel more substantive as enemies than putties just all around. So that's kind of uh, you know, that's cool. It's an interesting new enemy. There's also another interesting thing, which is that Rito reveals there's one egg left that hasn't hatched, and it's because it's not a tanga. It's something called a vampiris. Um, and what's most interesting about this is that Finster is like, oh, dear, I don't like Vampiruses. They're awful, basically. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you're the monster maker. This is, this is why we're failing as the villains. It's because of this, this kind of reluctance. Like, what is this? Finster's
0: been kind of in the background, though, for season two. Like, it really wasn't until this arc that Zed was like, hey, Finster, by the way, uh, could you actually be useful for once? And then Finster's like, oh, yeah, dude, you should have just asked. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, you can be a DM for a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and not include vampires because you don't like vampires.
1: I don't. They suck blood. I don't know. I think the monster maker shouldn't be like. I think that monster's too horrible. Like that's not. That's not a good sign, in my opinion.
2: <laughs> God didn't know what he created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, Vampirus was actually the name of the scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it's
1: Doctor Vampirus's monster. <laughs>
2: right. Um...
0: So the Tangas are beating up on the Rangers and they have to actually perform like some sort of retreat out of there. And so uh, they end up finding the entrance to Ninjore's lair, I suppose. And it looks like the Rangers lose Tommy. Yeah. And it does like a whole to be continued because they don't know what happened to Tommy as they like traverse through this new lair.
2: It wasn't like the the layer was actually like an illusion or like
0: yeah I I thought it
2: looked like they went to
0: pride rock in Africa, and they're they (laughs) just saw pride rock and was like oh this must be the entrance
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no Tommy steps through this like illusion wall, and they're like (gasps) What happened because they're just like wandering around in this cave that they've kind of like wandered into like looking to find safety from the tangas
0: Dark Souls moment.
1: Yeah, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's like Tommy just disappears. And then, yeah, they're suddenly at the beginning of part three. It's like the land before time. Like this, this they're in this like mysteriously beautiful jungle temple uh, out of nowhere. And uh, it's Ninjor. It's the funny voice. Yeah. He's, he's arrived.
0: Ninjor is actually Pog, though. I really like yeah. his character design. He's fun to watch. Like you can't expect what he's going to say. Whereas everyone's kind of plays up the, like, 90s acting stereotype to, like, whatever degree. Ninjor is kind of just his own thing that they, they were getting really creative with. Yeah. Definitely felt inspired. And so Ninjor then basically goes over the Rangers like, I don't really think you're ready, kind of. But, you, you know, if you were sent here by Zordon and Alpha, you know, Zordon's got clout with me. So let, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and try and give you guys this power. He, he kind of refuses right?
1: them. Well, for initially, I was gonna say he kind of refuses them, and then when the, the Rangers are like, they at first they're kind of like devastated and they're arguing with him, and he's kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. And then they kind of like they huddle up, and Tommy's like, Look, we'll find a way to defeat Zed with or without this guy's help. Let's just go. And and, and the Rangers are like, Yeah, fuck it. We can, we'll find some way, and they take off or what start they, to take uh, off the
0: dumpster moment too
1: <clears throat> right and then ninja is like wait i can tell that you're pure of heart <laughs>
2: <laughs> which, which, which like makes me, which makes me sort of feel like this was like a test rather than anything else like this wasn't like yeah but you know that ninja was always going to give the powers to them anyway but he was just sort of like testing yeah you know in in, in all the power ranger series i think there's always like characters who try to test like the bonds of friendship and stuff and in every series it's like each Power Rangers team their friendship is so strong that like it can withstand anything even if logically it can't and I feel like this was one of like the first examples of that type of that type of writing yeah I think this was a good moment for
0: Tommy if Tommy didn't act like an asshole moments before they got there because when he stepped (laughs) through that illusory wall they caught up with Tommy and Tommy's like Hey, where have you guys been? And That's what I'm talking about, man. Like Tommy kind of goes through this personality crisis where he's still going through teenage angst. It seems like, but it yeah, only I happens
2: like- after he gets the white power. Point. Wasn't there always? That- wasn't there always that thing, even in like later series, where like the Green Ranger stuff like just fucked him up basically for the rest of his life. It's like, so I remember like there's this scene in like, is it like Dino Charge or Dino Thunder? Where well, you know what's the what's the Power Rangers where he's like a Black Ranger? Oh, I don't know.
0: You mean it the might one be- where
2: he's red? No, there's like one where he's like a black crane, like a black and gold ranger and it's like one of the Dino ones. It's either Dino Charge or Dino Thunder. What was like the most recent Dino? I think
0: one? the it would be Dino Thunder. Uh he wasn't in Dino Charge.
2: Okay, so it must be Dino Thunder. And like there's a kind of um I saw the scene again on YouTube when I was uh, like in like one of the rabbit holes where like he's fighting various power ranger versions of himself and the final version that he fights of himself is the green ranger which is supposed to be like a replica of like the fact that the green ranger still lives inside him like or at least a, like an element of the green ranger lives inside him you know so maybe yeah, maybe it's found, like maybe like the teenage angst is really the fact that like he the whole like evil ranger thing never quite left his system and it's just like com- like fucked with him so he goes through these personality changes because you know, his first introduction into Mighty Morphin was through this kind of sudden, like, uh, character change.
1: Also, like, he's lost his powers over and over by this point. Yeah. The rest of the Rangers, like, they've never really lost their powers in a significant way before.
2: He must be, like, Um, yeah, he must be, like, really pissed off. Like, you know, he could have just been, like, an ordinary kid who just, like, did, like, karate and, you know, hung out. And instead, he's just like continually like cock about having superpowers.
0: <laughs> Ninjor does this ritual with them where they hold each other's hands in the air. And this sort of electricity goes through all of them. And they transform uh, with ninja outfits on. And I'm not going to lie they look really cool. I wish I yeah. was them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, you just can't deny it. And even even Rocky, who has largely been a subpar character up until this point, even looks cool in his ranger, and he's, like, flaunting it. You could just tell he's, like, excited to have it on and everything. And so, like, Ninja basically says, you know, now you have this ninja power. You can take on the Tangas and be able to take on Zed with it. And he gives them the ninja zords also. They, like, um... they
2: fight... They fight they fight the uh they fight the uh what you call it the Tengas first, right? That's like their first kind of like outing with a new feds.
0: After they acquire the ninja power, they put them to the test against the Tangas. They start doing some really cool shit. They do some like, now you see me, now you don't style antics while seemingly disappearing into thin air.
1: Yeah, there's this, it's like this introduces this sort of like step between, like being just their regular selves and being like full ranger form.
0: It's a really interesting concept. I would like to say that that's a, that's a big improvement. It makes the hand-to-hand fight sequences way more exciting versus like just the same old stuff with them having like overexpressive faces. Like I said, season two did have good fight choreography. And so Ninja kind of introduces them to their zords.
1: Let's talk about the ninja zords for a minute. What what did y'all think of the ninja zords? Grab, what did you think?
0: I I don't know if this is a sidestep of the Bushido zord. Like, I like it when they're combined together. Individually, though, they seem so dorky. Like, they seem that they were obviously made for toys with the boxy shapes and whatnot. (laughs) Like, the bear one, Aisha's bear zord, looks very similar to Billy's wolf zord. I would totally buy the wolf zord, though. But well, that's because, you know, I'm a Blue Ranger Stan. Interestingly enough, though, I was not a Garurumon Stan in Digimon. I was always an Agumon guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, totally like the wolf one. It was very interesting that Adam got a frog. <laughs> yeah. Probably the worst of them, I would say. Red you Ranger made, one had... also isn't very good either, especially compared to the the Red Dragon Zord. Because I think the Red Dragon Zord looked way cooler. Add introduction. Excellent execution as the episodes go on, because the the Black Frog Zord really like fuck shit up as the yeah. as the season goes on, uh. But yeah, I agree that, that uh I'm, the Black Frogs are pretty. It's like probably the worst one of the bunch, especially as it. Hops I don't know on. if I'd say the worst.
2: I it's very I would, bizarre. Yeah. I would just yeah. I would I would agree with that. Like it's bizarre, but I think it's also like the most interesting form. Really, so, like, my take. Yeah, my take on like the Ninja Zord was very much like. I agree that, like, these are kind of things that are designed for toys. They are very blocky and very, like, square compared to, like, the other Zord forms and stuff. So I wasn't kind of super impressed by that. And, like, I'm not surprised that, like, the Ninja Zord was, like, one of the toys that I didn't have when I was a kid. But I thought the Frog, like, I I thought, like, the Frog Zord was, like, definitely the most interesting shoe, like, one of them. So, yeah, like, I, I, you know.
0: I guess if we're talking about interest, the pink crane zord was made redundant by tommy's falcon zord yeah Yeah, basically i feel like the pink crane zord is the weakest
1: pink zord so far its design is kind of whack and it just doesn't seem cool because like tommy has this falcon zord that like so every time the the pink crane zord flies it it just kind of swoops in and it's not that exciting and then the falcon shows up and it's like scratch like it zooms in on its face as it's like screaming and it's like extremely dramatic it's like you can't come back from that pink crane zord you're done um (laughs) i'll also say this like so i overall i like uh i like these zords okay they're definitely weird um but um the frog the wolf and the bear all kind of entertain me in various ways and i kind of like them um but yeah the pink crane sword sucks and this is also this is the worst red ranger zord we've had so far
0: yes yes i i actually i think i would agree I, I don't think the black frog is the work i think i think the more i think about it and the more i look at the ape zord the ape sword's the worst it almost seems like it doesn't belong it doesn't they all seem have like it belongs, animals all. but the ape sword doesn't look like an ape it just looks like yeah a dude in a samurai outfit
2: yeah, I'm zooming in on right now, and it very, it very much looks like a very bored guy uh, in, in, in a samurai, out. or like a very kind of just like solemn dude with like a ve- with like a, a long beard,
1: which, and uh, with a very clear very S on his chest. Mm. Like, what is the S for? Obviously, it's for Super Sentai, but what is it for now? It's not for
2: anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is. I was. I was also. I. I didn't know. I didn't know about this, and so maybe like you guys do. Like, it felt like it was this very kind of like old footage like re and i sort of wondered whether like oh is this kind of just like reused footage or old you know just kind of miss it felt very misplaced in my opinion and maybe that's kind of what made it like a little bit jarring or a little bit kind of awkward
0: yes what i will say though is first off this zord fight doesn't actually start with the zords like really fucking shit up you know who really does fuck shit up here Ninjor my man <laughs> this guy is absolutely poggers dude I love this guy so damn much he's in there he's practicing every ninja power he's got on them and not even really breaking a sweat and then yeah. once like Vampirus is all like haha, I've got the upper this man is like what is it like the the monkey king almost style like a Goku yeah, yeah. like power pole n- uh, Nimbus flying Nimbus style powers with ninja stuff and I love it and then as soon as he's like getting his shit fucked up what does he do he transforms into an even like more powerful zord version of himself <laughs> and he does that it- whole like you know how the action figures flip heads he literally flips his head yeah so spooky. I-, I thought Is it was he awesome. Zord. <laughs> I mean like we've, we've been talking about this right like are the zords living beings do they have souls If so, like, is that the reason why everybody's screaming, shouting no at a bunch of like robots falling to the falling to the ground (laughs) and like exploding? So I guess this kind of sort of confirms it that they are living beings and that might be the oldest Zord that we know of so far. I think the funny part about this, though, is that like season two, the White Ranger, like the White Tiger Zord, I explained that... The White Tiger Zord is the first time that we see, like, the Ranger saying a special move and then mm-hmm. the Zord actually doing it. So you get to see that sort of connection. But I think more or less, like, their life force is given by the grid. Because you've yeah. seen Alpha 5 turn, like, a piece of, like, dirt and, like, desert into flowers, like, green flowers and everything, and grass. And so mm-hmm. it's possible that they're giving life from the grid. And then they're then symbiotic with the rangers' power. So, like, basically the way I think of it is when the rangers command them, their power level, like, skyrockets, right? Mm, And so they're able to take on the enemies. Whereas Ninjor... Ninjor kind of seems like that he is one with the grid. Yeah. He is born of the grid, and he is, like, I guess you would say a zord. But he's able to turn himself huge. He's able to transform as well and do, like unhuman like things. So it's it, I think that's probably his backstory. We just don't know it yet. But I'm very I yeah. want more ninja. And of course, you know, this episode ends with the big Zord fight and you know they all get up well, together combined.
1: It actually kind of the their main Zord fight is with Rito before. And the funny thing or the great thing is is like they show up to help Ninja a little bit, but Ninja basically has this. And like they're like they're this whole time like they're like we have to finish off Rito. We have to go help Ninjor. Zordon's like Ninjor's in danger. Vampirus might kill him or whatever. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, they're like we have to get there. We have to get there. Ninjor does not need them. Like they show up at the last second and like help finish off, um, Vampirus. Yeah. But like Ninjor clearly had this.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. It sort of feels like Ninjor sort of let them finish him off, right? Yeah. It was more just like, yeah, you know, you've been through a lot, you know, we, we've hung out for a bit. Yeah, go for it. It's like, you know how like if
1: you're if you had like a like a small child that like <laughs> wanted to like bake a cake with you and you're like, you you can't do all of the steps involved with this, but I'm gonna make you feel like you you made this cake. You know? Yeah. Something like that. That's how ninja's like behaving towards the Rangers. He's like, Go ahead, Rangers, finish off Vampiris, it's you, you did it.
0: I do like the combo much more this time around than I liked previous combos, mostly because it's it feels like a huge power upgrade because to, like essentially the crane zord is the head now, and the falcon mm. zord gives them the ability to fly, and so they'll like do one of those like seismic tosses that Charizard did in Pokemon, where they'll fly <laughs> up in the air. And then just come straight down at the enemy, and uh, the I keep wanting to say Garurumon, the 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 Wolf Zord and the Bear Zord unleash their fury, and it does this like weird CGI graphic over it to like symbolize the power of the Wolf and the power of the Bear coming together in both punches. I I didn't like it too much there, but I will say I dig the Zord design, and you know like as long as they don't keep pulling up like. Computer images of an artistic rendition of a wolf and a bear on screen. I'm good with it.
1: (laughs) So that's basically it. You know, Uh, Ninjor congratulates the the Rangers and like basically he's like, I'll be your ally from now on, which is like, you know, probably going to come up again. I disagree. Um,
0: I think that like the way this the way I interpreted the end of this episode, it felt like Alpha Five and Zordon were going to exit the show. And Ninjor was going to be the one that they report to. (laughs) Like, that's what I was getting off because Zordon and Alpha was like, I can't help you anymore. Ninjor is going to be the one to help you from now on. Like, that's what I got out of that whole conversation. And I was actually still surprised that we got more Zordon and Alpha. I thought we'd get treated to like, like after this episode, after this arc, we'd get treated to more Ninjor kind of immediately. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, a bit of a disappointment, but hey. The- I
1: think what they were trying to imply more so was just that, like, you know, in the past when, like, something has gone wrong with the Zords or with their own powers, with the morphers, the coins, the suits, whatever, right? Like, they've gone direct to Zordon and just been like, hey, fix this. And I think more of the implication here was that, like, Zordon's like, uh, I might not be able to do that all the time now.
2: Cause, yeah, because it's emotional labor, right? <laughs> it's-
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, at capacity slash <laughs> I'm dealing with a lot of other things right now slash I'm already supporting several friends in need uh yeah. and uh yeah
2: <laughs> I was gonna say but like the actual real ending of this episode is uh the Balkan Skull uh graduation ceremony right yes Correct. everybody become... is super excited
0: for and Skull <laughs> to have graduated junior police academy and become cops
2: um amazing. despite the fact that like despite the fact that the scene, like, while, while the Megaz- Wild Ninja and the Megazord are fighting Vampira, so there's, like, a scene where, like, Balkan Skull are, like, trying to, like, shortcut their way through, like, training. Like, they're trying to kind of, like, they- they're doing, like, an obstacle course or something like that, right? And they're trying to kind of, like, cheat their way through the obstacle course, which, again, like, is right. very kind of, like, you guys are naturally born to be cops. Yeah, I oh. think <laughs> the-
0: I think the reason why this Bulk and Skull plot was introduced and why it's so separate to what's going on is because they were like, we've got this really interesting plot going on, right? Where we've got these new ninja powers and Mm. all of this stuff, but we have to remember that this is a kid's show and the kids love Bulk and Skull. So we got to introduce some humor in it. So let's induce this like Bulk and Skull plotline where they become cops. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do like how it just seems like every time the cops are portrayed in seemingly anything but Paw Patrol, they are portrayed as worthless do-nothings, right? Because like Scooby, the whole basis of like Scooby-Doo is the cops don't do shit. Correct. You know, and there there's a bunch of other shows that I'm sure we can we can call out to where the cops are just like eating donuts and being fat phobic and stuff like that in their portrayals. I don't know. What what does that say about our society that even in a show called The Power Rangers, which is supposed to be like peak 90s optimism, that even there they can't make the cops seem to do anything or at least portray them to do anything useful to help with that image, so to speak. They just, Everyone's just kind of like in the know that the cops are actually worthless.
2: That's what it feels like, yeah. It was like a great cop storyline, just in the sense for mm-hmm. like the ultimate like watching it back now and especially kind of like thinking about like cop how like police are portrayed in uh like popular culture the idea of like two like two very privileged oaths to like cheat and shortcut their way through their life end up being celebrated for like doing the bare minimum to become like law enforcement officials and then like in later series they're kind of shown or at least like it's implied that they like regularly abuse their powers to like um you know get like free stuff from the bar or uh like to hit on like women and stuff like that like they regularly abuse their status as like junior police officers and no one does anything it's just like yeah that's that that that's just them
1: i just want to say without spoiling too much of what's to come in the season two like this episode in particular or sorry this arc rather these four episodes are like very pro-cop and there's like like various moments where they're like, support your local police, and Aisha even at one point, they're talking about being Power Rangers, and she goes to protect and serve. <laughs> yeah,
0: Aisha <laughs> even does like cop apologia, <laughs> and she's all like, "You gotta respect them, though." And I'm like, "No, you fucking don't, Aisha. What the? Fu- Why does that come out of your mouth? Like, have yeah. it come out of like Kimberly's or something?" But I mean, like, we Was all there, like- know that Aisha yeah. wasn't written by an actual black person, so obviously.
2: Was there like because um, like this because this series art came out in like 1995, right? And gosh. I like was there anything was there anything that happened in like that time that kind of made the kind of police art a sort of essential? Like I I I'm struggling to kind of think at the moment, but maybe that's because my brain isn't working.
0: But there was the Los Angeles riots hmm. in 1992, but I don't think yeah. there was anything else that was super huge in 95.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um. Yeah, I was I was I was like curious moving anything
1: uh, um, just like I, I'm not sure if I'm mixing things up. I know at some point there was like a whole uh, thing passed to like make more pro cop and pro military media and to like fund it. So like mm. and this did happen, I think, in the 90s.
0: Right, because um, this was the failures of the war on drugs, so they, yeah. they had to rehabilitate the cops' image. So what did they do? They created the cops' TV show in '89, and Cops, the TV show, was like huge, right? Um, and it remained huge all the way through to the 2000s and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing uh, that that's probably it too. Uh, that's just the an ongoing cultural effort to make cops appear like
2: yeah the well good I've guys just, or something. i just i've just found like some links uh from like 1995 to uh like uh various like articles in the la times about um like la police chiefs like defending uh defending like the role of cops in in the wake of like the oj simpson trial ah but, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that like has any relation to that or, or like there was any like discourse happening but Um. Yeah, that might be an that that might be an interesting scope to like sort of investigate how like especially because the Power Rangers is is, like set in LA as like or at least kind of a fictional version of LA. Maybe that sort of like influences all that. It was like just because it was just after the OJ Simpson trial.
0: So the OJ Simpson trial was decided in October 1995. So the trial was actively happening while the film right was okay going. so that's very interesting that you brought that up hmm. um, <laughs> that's unfortunately for a different podcast but yeah that's that's a very good uh cultural landmark there what did you guys think about ninja quest overall
2: i didn't have any like i, I don't really have any strong thoughts on ninja quest so i don't know whether that kind of points out i i do not know it wasn't it wasn't like my favorite arc or like favorite series or you know favorite element of the series i think i i think when it comes to like mighty morphin i definitely preferred more of the original stuff and i think that so like ninja quest was something that beyond kind of particular characters so like i really like ninja for example uh i love the like the uh original ninja costumes like not the ones that not like the actual suits but just like even the face coverings and stuff I thought were like quite cool. Batangas, like I thought they were great. Yeah, but I think overall in terms of storytelling, like I don't I know, I wasn't like super impressed by it, but I think that's more to do with the fact that I think there's like much better arcs, especially in like Zio and stuff like that, that come quite soon after this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because if I was going to rate this compared to the beginning of season two, I don't know that I would rate this that much higher on a numerical scale. But with season two, I could tell right away that it was going to trend downward from there. And I had a good feeling that it was going to trend upward from here after watching this, even if I wouldn't necessarily say that like this four-parter is so incredible. Like I'm not going to rate this like a nine. It's not an eight either, if I'm being real.
2: I think it's like mid i feel like i would rank it i didn't realize we were ranking up stuff but i i would rank I it probably like a six or a seven maybe a seven yeah i'd probably rank it like a seven
1: yeah i think it's falling for me also in that kind of like that 6.5 kind of area where it's like there's a lot of things here that suck a little but it's kind of a fun watch and i definitely felt like it laid groundwork for a lot of good things and it does like i've watched ahead it
0: does you know kennedy it's funny how we have the same mindset about this I would rate it a six as well. I don't really like to do half steps that much. I agree. When I came off of the mutiny, I was like, this is, this is going to go bad. Based on the way that the mutiny ended and like how the way, how some of the scenes improved, but like, it seemed like other qualities got a much worse. And those were the qualities that I was looking for in Power Rangers. In this one, it seems like the things that were bad was like, Bulk and Skull's plot not relating at all to the main plot. And just overall, like, I mean, I've said this time and time again, Bulk and Skull's plot not being relevant is a detraction from how good it could be. Uh, I will say another big disappointment was part two. Part two is a Snorfest you could honestly probably skip part two or at least fast forward through most of it and you would yeah. be fine
2: i i fast forward it i fast forward like through well, i went i watched uh this whole part like quite quickly the other day and like looking back on it now I, I feel like i could have stuck with like one three and four i could have easily skipped two i feel like i could have skipped a lot of three as well this happens um, a lot
0: with these multi-parters with power rangers where It seems to be the middle episode is always the one that really, really drags. There's very few three parters or four parters in Power Rangers that every single episode is a banger. I think Green with Evil is kind of close, but even that kind of drags a little bit. Yeah, it drags like
2: midway through as well, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And this one, though, specifically the Goldar and Jason part, I feel like even though part two sucked, the rest of it was so interesting and fun to watch that. It made me excited for the rest of the season, whereas the opening for season two kind of had me feeling like, oh, boy, we're in for a wild ride in a bad way. Season three, <laughs> it seemed like it was more inspired. It seemed like they really got their shit together behind the scenes and everyone was better off for it. And so it did make me esp- and like even Ninja, like Ninjor could have sucked. I was fully expecting <laughs> Ninjor's character to not be good and for me to, like, groan, you know, as we watched this. But Ninjor was fucking pog, dude. I loved it. Uh, I love Ninjor. I love the the lore concepts that we explored in these episodes. I love the ninjas. And uh, it made me very hopeful to watch the rest of the season. But, like I said, the Bulk of Skull plot, part two... The, the lack of effort in the Desert of Despair. I mean, they could have threw a red filter over it or a blue filter over it, like they did with uh, <laughs> the Serpentera scene and the power transfer. They could have just, like, warped to a different planet and learned the ninja powers there, you know, or something like that. Mm. Um, And then just use, like, a, a filter over the, the footage to designate, hey, this is a different planet. But that whole Desert of Despair really sucked. It's like, hey, guys, here- hey, kids, here's a treasure map. Ah, it's called the Desert of Despair. Go <laughs> find the treasure in the backyard.
1: I think if this was a, a smarter three parter, it would have been easier to like rate this maybe like a seven point five or you know, like
0: it could have been even give... higher than that, actually. Yeah. But you I mean, um, know, I also gotta give some efforts and say, like, hey, this is a kid's show too. So
2: I think like the limit is also just the fact that like because this is a kid's show, the things that you would usually use middle episodes for, which is really for like emotional character development or character like conflicting characters who um kind of like learn something about themselves or change over the process and that change kind of like facilitates their um like the end point which is like you know they grow stronger as a result of this change like that can't happen with the power rangers because every power rangers team like just gets on with each other like all the time so there isn't really any evident conflict and as you mentioned before like you have those periods where like tommy becomes like a bit of an asshole and everything but even then he doesn't really do that he just like is kinda of like the furthest they really go is like be- is to like become a little whiny. And that either gets like brushed off or it becomes like, oh, you know, I'm only doing this because, you know, I care about you guys so much and I love you guys, et- you know, et cetera, like that. So because you can't really have that conflict and because you can't really have that like, you know, for lack of a better word, like because you can't because these characters aren't really presented as flawed in any way, because they have to be like virtuous to be power rangers, you end up with these middle episodes that don't really go anywhere. Like none of the yeah. like none of the really personally change in any real way. I never thought about it like that. Wow. I mean, you that know, again, so good, this is that's this, a good perspective on it. I, I mean, it's also like when you're kind of in your like late 20s or like, you know, when you're older and you watch back and like you kind of like notice these things. But again, this is a this is a children's show and that stuff tends to be explored either in like the comic books or they tend to get explored in like fan uh, fan movies and stuff.
0: I find that very interesting because I was still able to notice some character development because at the end of every season we do a sort of like Power Ranger rankings on where we rank the Rangers in terms of like character development and stuff like that and like, you know, doing like a tier list essentially. And so we Mm. do notice like character developments happen over the seasons, but dramatic character development doesn't necessarily happen. We do see flashes of moments of like real introspection or, like, really good episodes like Missing Green, for example, where they fully explore, like, a flaw in a character and to its, like, limit uh, in a kid's show. But I will say most of the time, though, they are portrayed as, like, not having flaws, except, like, minor character flaws like uh, Kimberly Loving Shopping, for example.
2: Yeah, and then, like, that becomes kind of, like, part of, like, those those types of things become... Like they feed into the monsters, right? So like, you know, they'll kind of like pick on one of the flaws of like a minor flaw of the character, like a monster will kind of come and reflect that. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm not I'm not sure where I was going with that. But I, I guess like the main thing is like to do four parts is very difficult for a series like Power Rangers because they would have to do things that sort of contradict what a kid show is like even in even in like the most kind of like modern series, so even in like super like Mega Force and Super Mega Force, all the characters again are like are just presents to be these very good virtuous kids who are very smart and very caring um, and are like pillars of the community and that's why they're chosen to be Power Rangers which means that like any kind of conflict really is kind of quite glib so I know that in like Super Mega Force, there is an episode where one of the Rangers becomes addicted to like video games or something which means that he's distracted from fighting fighting a monster and then the team have to like kind of bring him back into the fold you know and they do it just like love and care rather than anything else right like that's as far as they'll go you know and, and I, again i don't know whether that's because like that's kind of how the show works or power like it would just be too complicated to do that but yeah again like i feel like three parties would be much better for this you know again like episode quotas and stuff so and like you know so Hussein, is there anything you wanted to plug yeah so i have a spin-off show called 10, 10 posts and it's about like tweets and stuff, like tweets that have broken uh broken my brain and the brain of my co-host Phoebe Roy. Yeah, we have some episodes coming out soon. You can follow that at 10K post pod on Twitter. Or find it on iTunes it's like 10,000 posts. Uh you can find me mainly on like Trash Future podcast. Or you can find me on Twitter at HKzvani. You can find that like pretty easily just like type in HK and everything and you'll be uh awesome. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.